podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index India podcast. We're joined today by Akriti and Aditya. first time in many many years Liverpool still have football to look forward to at the end of May um, I'm sure many of us are still you know anxious we we don't know what to most of us should be excited we're probably thrilled um, and these four three four days can't just go quick enough uh, so before we start let's just get a couple of thoughts in um, let's start with you Akati what I mean how are you feeling right now Amazing. I mean, this is, uh, this is actually the first time. I, I know we've, uh, we had a similar discussion when we qualified for the Europa final as well, but this is actually the first time that uh, I'll be watching a Champions League final with Liverpool in it as a fan. So, for me personally, I mean, I'm overjoyed. It, this has been an incredible journey and uh, I very reluctantly had to pass up on the offer of actually going for the final uh because uh, because I'll be going for the World Cup, so I can't do two trips. But uh, I mean, it was it was a very hard choice. But uh, I'm I'm really excited, and uh, I I think uh, we I'm sure we and we will get into it into the uh, I mean the depth of it. But uh, we've done incredible this season, and just can't wait to see, irrespective of. Uh, whatever the result is, just to be here at this point of time, it feels amazing. I'm going to pick up on a point you you made. Uh, you said irrespective of the result. Um, Aditya, how do we feel about that? I, I really don't know. I mean, I've gone to, since we beat Porto, I've not expected anything from the Champions League. So, uh, uh, that's probably why I'm not nervous. I'm, I'm bloody excited, but that's probably why I'm not nervous because um, I haven't expected anything beyond the quarterfinals. Uh, I thought I thought we'd lose the city, uh, and we we did them, and then Roma. I again went into that without expectation, so it's going to be the same. Um, but but yeah, bloody exciting, and it's nice that uh, when everyone's season is done, you know we still have the biggest game of our of our season, biggest game in the careers of every single one in that squad. And for me personally, I mean I've I've seen two Champions League finals before, but. I really didn't know too much about uh, the significance of what it was. Uh, so I, I I don't know, man. It's just it's just madness right now, and I I I can't wait for for Saturday night. And I think I I will agree with what Akriti said. The result really doesn't matter. I I really wanted this feeling back again, and it, it's just going to be the, the icing on the cake. The cake is sweet as such. It's incredible how lost for words we are. Uh, but before we get into the actual game and, 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 and discussing that aspect of it, I want to touch base on um, this is the second season in a row that we've qualified for the Champions League, um, albeit on the last day of the year. Um, but it's a, it, it's, it's a place that we haven't been for been in since, since Rafa left. We haven't had back-to-back Champions League um, campaigns. So, a, what are the implications of it? Have we made it back into the big European leagues? Are we are we confident of of being now regulars? Um, how, how how do you sort of approach this second season qualification again, Abi? I'm not entirely sure. Like, uh, I I wouldn't say that you know we're, we're back again yet. Uh, uh, because that's probably because I'm. A little pessimistic about it, and um, about a, a few things in the squad that still need to be sorted. Um, because as a squad, right now we made the Champions League final. Uh, we've, we've got top four again, but um, there are holes in that squad, and you know that the teams around us are going to strengthen in the Premier League. Chelsea are going to strengthen. Um, Arsenal with the, with the new manager um, may strengthen, and 
and you only know that United City, they, they, they're going to keep spending money and keep getting better. So uh, for me, whether we tie this down or not will depend on this summer's business because there, there's still a couple of things in this squad that need to be sorted out. You know, I'm, I'm not confident ever with Lobrin and as, as, as good as he's been since Van Dyke has come in, I don't want to go into another season with Lovren as our first star centre back. Amitri's been fantastic in the Champions League run, Wijnaldum, Milner, Henderson, but you still feel that there is a gap there. And I think we've, we've also been incredibly lucky that our front three stayed relatively injury free after Coutinho's gone. So we haven't had to have too many changes to the front three. So I think as a squad, we need to develop a lot further before we can, you know, go back to the Rafa days when. We almost took a top four spot for granted. Fair enough. So let me let, let me change that question around a bit. Arkady, specifically in terms of what we can get from the Champions League qualification for this year. Remember, last year was obviously the first year we had gotten in. Um, there there will be an inflow of money. There's going to be these additional games. Avi touched on a couple of people um, in terms of personnel or or even positions that we want to sort of look at again. But how do you think it impacts the club on a larger scale? You know, let's not get into maybe who we want in and out, but what are the benefits? Now, what what happens to Liverpool Football Club now that we've qualified for the second year with this squad, with this manager, with the setup that we have? Great. Uh, I absolutely agree with uh, what Adi said. But, um, uh, and... To take off from that, it, it's a, it's a, it's massive to get. I mean, we always spoke about sustainability. I mean, getting the top four one, uh, it, it does not, like, just getting Champions League back for one season does not mean anything. Because you need to have, uh, you need to have that consistency over and over. I mean, fourth place is not a trophy, but you, you saw that with uh, the fact that Arsenal was continuously in the in the Champions League, they could attract better players than uh, Liverpool could uh, in 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 that period because Champions League will always be the most attractive uh, competition a European player would want to I mean a, a football player would want to play. In. So two years get it, and especially because last year after we 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 got Champions League back, there was always an asterisk on uh, the fact that we did it without any European distraction. Uh, this year to actually get there with, uh, you know, with with the amount of games that we played, and and probably Liverpool could have, I mean, could have finished even higher. I mean, in the third place, if there was not, uh, if we didn't have, uh, uh, if we didn't have more games, because you saw that. Uh, the exertion in some of the games, especially the Chelsea game. But regardless of that, the fact that we actually can, we, we actually have back-to-back Champions League seasons mean a lot in terms of the kind of players we can attract, uh, the squad depth we'll be working with in the coming seasons. We, we have been lucky with injuries and also Klopp has managed to extract the most out of the personnel available. Of course, there are a lot of, uh, there, there still are concerns in the squad and there are positions that need to be tightened. But uh, with what he's achieved with the squad, and that's been something that people have been talking on and on, it, it really is incredible. And being, I mean, there is nothing more I can add to what has not already been said about how important it is for the club with uh, with ambitions of being the just the top club in Europe or in the top 10 clubs of Europe to be in Champions League consistently. Otherwise, it, I mean, there is, that is, that is one of, like it is a bar that you have to you have to set, and it it really bodes well for the coming years that we 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 can you know pick up from here. And these players get to play European football, and the, the kind of players will be. I mean, the fact that we are talking about getting someone like Sakir, it, it goes on to say that we are attracting a certain kind of uh, uh, kind of individual. Fair enough. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, put in a comment here, and then again ask a question to both of you. Realistically, uh, we've, we've obviously talked about there being increased money, increased number of games. Uh, our squad is, in most cases, it's sort of a bit of a false positive um, because we know where the gaps are, right? Spurs have still landed up playing more games than us or similar amounts of games because remember we both 
Limpunga and Nakhtar are both the Cubs fairly earlier, right? So we've kind of not had those two cup competitions. We've reached a round or two rounds ahead of City. We're not going to keep that as the benchmark for comparison anyway. But keeping in mind United made the FA Cup final, um, Spurs made the semis and also the quarters. Um, are we now with the, with the number of games that we're going to have for the next season, say close to six, uh, close to 60, specifically to where our squad is, are we more attractive than other than maybe the London factor? Are we are we still more attractive clubs than Arsenal because they're in the Europa League, Chelsea because they're in the Europa League, and potentially for some kinds of signings, United because of the way they play football versus the way Klopp is playing football. Akadi, I think. Uh our biggest pull right now, uh, apart from Champions League, and of course, if we if we go down to win it, then it will it will reflect in the signings we make. But I think uh, we can all agree on the fact that the biggest pull right now would be Klopp. So I, I mean, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. We 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 will see how it turns out. But I do feel that now Liverpool has become. I mean, it has at least come in that. In, in in that league where we can attract similar players, the ones we, where we were where we were linked to, who we were linked to, but we were not able to get, and the fact that we don't have to, we are not going to be making signings. We're not going to get 20, 21 years old to start matches. I mean, I I think we are at. I uh, there is there are a lot of other. I mean, of course, the the, the wages and uh, uh, the fact that I mean, London always has a pull. But I do feel that Klopp also brings in that additional uh, attraction and now also the players that we do have, I think players will want to play with alongside someone like uh, Mohamed Salah or a player like uh, Roberto Firmino. Uh, so I, I do think that we are the best version of, <laughs> I have to put it in a very cheesy way, but we are Liverpool is the best version uh, it has been for a long time. So. It will definitely reflect in the signings uh, that we make in the summer. Adi, how much of it is down to Klopp, and how much of it is now that this team actually has an identity? People want to come in and play. Um, we can obviously now, with the financials, match certain salaries. Right? We can potentially match transfer fee values, right? Or are we still going to be cynical and say? We may need to sell to buy, maybe a couple of years, we can afford the 50, 60 million, but we're working on the assumption that someone's going to go. Uh, I, I, I genuinely don't think that it's just Klopp anymore, um, because uh, it, it's, it's a byproduct of what Klopp has done uh, right now that we will become, or we are already a more attractive club for a potential signing than we were under Brendan Rodgers or Okay, me or Roy before that. Um, it's, it's but right now why we are uh, a little more attractive than we've been in the last few years is because of Klopp and the work that he's done. And so it's the player is not going to come to Liverpool anymore just because there is Jurgen Klopp. Maybe maybe in the 2016 summer window, maybe Klopp was our only pull. Right now, if you are a winger, why would you not want to play with Roberto for me? Uh, if you are a centre-back, uh, why would you not want to play alongside someone as good as Virgil van Dijk? Mo Salah, probably among the top three players in the world. Why would you not want to play alongside Mo Salah? So, it's, it's, it, I think it's naive to put it down to saying we have the club factor. I think right now our position is such that we, the, the club itself is looked at in a way uh, in the positive light that it is, because it's a byproduct of the work that Klopp's done. It's not Klopp, it is Liverpool Football Club. It's still a massive name in world football. But it's just become that much more attractive because of the work that Klopp has done. And I think with the, with the finances, I think uh, eventually there, there's always going to be cynics. Uh, the, the net spend, all of that will come up over and over again. But uh, over, over the last few, over the last couple of seasons, we've seen that where we have to spend, if Klopp feels he needs he needs a player in some position, we are spending money. I mean, at the time, 25, 25 million right now doesn't 
team really big, but at the time it was still good money that we paid for Dini Wijnaldum. It was good money we paid for, we paid for Mane, then Salah, Oxley Chamberlain, Van Dijk, and from what is being doubted, we're paying, we're, we're at least ready to pay big money for Nabil Fakir as well. So I don't think FSG are at the point where they're, they're going to say we need to sell to buy or whatever. I think they've they reached the point where they say Klopp needs someone, Klopp's getting that person. So naturally, yeah, I mean, if obviously if you win Saturday as a whole, then, then everything does seem right. It validates all the spending over the next couple of years. It, it kind of puts you back as a force um, with the attractiveness. Now, again, through both of your comments, we've, we've sort of established that people are going to come in. We need people. There are going to be people coming in. Um, and there will be a few outgoings. Now, well, we've got the likes of Nabi coming in, potentially people like Nabil Fakir. Um, the concern we will have now, which we haven't had over I mean, for the past few years, is betting in, um, you know, local talent. We've, we've, we 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 kind of got lucky in a way with Joe Gomez. He came in, played as a left back, then got injured. We already knew he, who he was. Uh, we did really, really well with Trent, uh, who's obviously now become one of the best um, right backs uh, that we that we've got. Certainly, the league has. Um, but where does it leave a lot of our academy players, right? So especially from an Indian contingent, for example, Jan Danda is not going to be at the club um, any longer. He's going to look for first-team opportunities. Um, we've had people like Woodburn not really making the impact this year when we've needed bodies. Uh, we've had the likes of a Harry Wilson go out and loan perform. We still don't know whether there's going to be a, you know, a place in the squad. Danny Woods come back from loan. Again, there's no real opportunity. So, where does it leave us with our younger players? Um, what do we do? And now, potentially, with the you know, with the compensation with uh, Munchen Gladbach, we may or may not potentially lose one of the best English talents in Ryan Brewster. So, where are we as a squad? And why don't you think we have, or rather, is there a route to the first team, or are we just exaggerating it because maybe Trent was a one-off talent. Maybe Gomez was just what was needed at that time. Akati, what are your thoughts? Um, so, I think uh, this this will be, uh, I mean, I don't, uh, I'm not particularly well informed on uh, how each one of them has performed, uh, except for uh, Harry Wilson, who we heard a lot about uh, on loan. Uh, I, I I mean, it, it will be difficult for a, for an academy player to break in a team which is, uh, you know, where, where most of our players are now new signings from the last four or five years, I guess, where we are, uh, where we are spending so much a, a big club, uh, so to speak. But I, I, it needs to be, it, it is, it does not bode too well where, uh, you have a lot of uh, young players, young talents, uh, leaving the club. Uh, it, of course, it needs to be something the management would not uh, be taking lightly for sure. I imagine because uh, that I mean, Liverpool has been known to uh, you know to for local talent. It, it is a good club, and uh, I think uh, Trent doing so well would only boost other players' chances. We always say that you know, top matches are the are where they will get chances. It is unfortunate that in the domestic cup we didn't go too far otherwise we would have seen more of uh, more of the academy players but um, I mean I, it, from a player's perspective you sort of understand that when you have uh, when you have players like uh, Salah you know in terms of attackers and money and you are uh, you see links of uh, the club being linked to Sekir and, and other attackers then you do wonder what your future prospects are in, uh, for the next two years. It is very difficult to break in and you do have players on the bench as well. So from a player's perspective, it is understandable that they would want to go to a place where they get more chances. But uh, it's, I mean, I don't know why loan deals are not being worked out in, and and this is because you don't know what happened inside the club. Maybe, maybe there were there was a conversation on that. So you can't, like, you can't, you can't pin the blame on one party, but the, the, the sort of logical way out would be a loan deal to if there is if they do see talent and 
top booster in the in the World Cup here, and he has done he has done really well. So I mean, why wouldn't uh, Andhala as well be here? Uh, great things about him, and there are compilations and whatnot. So there should logically be loan deals where the club stays part, uh, where the player stays part of the club in the future. Uh, but I mean, I I, I can't really uh, wrap my head around the fact that the the club will be oblivious to uh, these developments. So uh, players should ideally stay. I mean, they are the they are the future. At the same time, you understand what. Uh, what their perspective would be, where they would want to go to a smaller club, so to speak, and get more first team support. So of course, I mean, there, there is essentially been a bit of a rule change in terms of when you can recall loan players, right? Which is why recalling someone like Marco Gruich, who was involved in the run-in uh, with Cardiff, wasn't an option. Uh, there wasn't really an option to bring back Harry Wilson. So. While there are certain kind of intricacies we may not be aware of, there's also been, um, from what we read and what we understand, that a, a very clear mandate in terms of if an, if an individual is going out on loan, uh, there has to be a guarantee of the number of games that they're going to play. I think you won't have mentioned that uh, before, folks, right? Um, so maybe that's one route. But essentially, what, what so worries is... The thing is that I feel like in terms of what happens at the academy and the youngsters' development, it's a very, uh, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, I'm sure Aditya also would know this at, at a local level as well. I mean, these are things that clubs look at very, very uh, intricately. Uh, football development, of course, in a country like India, it's, it's more important than where these are already so developed and so forward. So I just, I, I do feel like whatever, like, our, our opinion on this will be very uninformed and we wouldn't know all the facts. Uh, and I, I do think that a club with Liverpool's pedigree and experience and would, would be doing its best to, uh, to, you know, to keep youngsters and talented youngsters around. That's just an uninformed and my, like, my amateur opinion on this. Fair enough. No, that's 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 absolutely correct. I mean, there's there's not enough information in in the public eye for us to even make a valid sort of comment. But assuming a fair bit of these individuals come back, right? So you've got the likes of Gruitch, Wilson, potentially Brewster, who doesn't leave. Um, Avi, how do you utilize them from whatever little we know from of of fixtures and how we understand the game? Where would you utilize individuals like these? Through the season, are you are you going to specifically give them, say, the Carling Cup, which essentially a lot of pro clubs have been doing over the past many years? You sort of give them the early rounds, um, at least in the Carling or whatever the hell it's called right now, the Carabao Cup. Um, or do you still find a way to integrate them into Premier League football as much as you can, and then get them to play the under twenty threes whenever available? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, at this stage. Even their careers, I, I mean, uh, look, Trent, Trent got lucky uh, that, you know, we, we had no one and we really had to push him into that, to the deep end, so to speak. And he got his opportunity, he took his opportunity. Uh, there, there are not many players who are going to get that opportunity every season. So it, it's going to be the cup game, uh, which ideally, uh, from where they start taking their claim, right? Uh, but, uh, honestly, I, from the player's perspective, I get it that they want um, uh, first-team football as well because there are there are other players in the recent past from England who've gone to the Bundesliga, like like say Jadon Sancho, uh, who's who's done pretty well for, for Borussia Dortmund. There was Adamola Lukman who went to Leipzig, he did very well uh, for them as well in the second half of the season. So you understand why these young kids would want to move out to a league like the Bundesliga. That Brewster was said to have had contact with Munchen Gladbach. So you understand that the Bundesliga, there is uh, a certain sense of, you know, more trust maybe in these youngsters than their own family club. I have, look, I don't know whether it's it's because of what's at stake in the Premier League. Um, it's not just the players, right? Because even if you look at the managers, how many Premier League clubs would you think would give a chance to a manager like Tedesco or Schalke or Nagelsmann. I think English football as such is, isn't the greatest, it hasn't created the greatest environment for young players to develop. Um, I don't know 
what triggered that. Uh, too, I'm far too uninformed to make that judgment on what triggered that. But as just just as a casual watcher, it looks like you know English, English football hasn't created an environment for these youngsters to flourish. And right now, with the trigger being Sancho and Nukman, these youngsters are getting a sense that you know the champ alone to a championship side are not our only way to you know bring ourselves into prominence. We can go out, go to Germany. There are clubs out there who are who are willing to give us the chances. Um, look, I mean, you can say that Dortmund had Royce injured. Uh, they they had a couple of problems with their entire squad, so Sancho got a chance. Um, Leipzig as well. They they haven't had the greatest season, so they were looking to experiment. But you know, you the English option has always been the safer option in in most of these cases when they have to take us. When they have to take an important call based on the squad or something like that, it's been the safer option. The more experienced guy comes in. So right now, these kids now know that they have an option in Germany, and they might have the managers trusting them, which is why you see a lot more of these, you know, these rumors come kind of coming up, and not just uh, the, the things that we were seeing in in say January with Liverpool when Wilson went to Hull, Cruz went to Cardiff, things like that. Yeah, I think it's a fair statement to say that the English, I mean. In the English environment isn't necessarily, um, you know, very fruitful for a lot of these guys. There's, there are obviously some success stories with like the likes of Harry Kane, for example, where there have been multiple loans and then eventually they've worked out. But they've also worked out in not necessarily the Premier League. Harry Kane got his start after Europa and they were suffering with the likes of Soldado and other buyers. So I, it, it is, it is fairly, um, a hidden trial or it seems to be fairly hidden trial for for a lot of the youngsters in England. Um, so we can only hope that I guess the academy, the academy flows better into the first team. Um, and even though, you know, Trent's made the impact he has, he did in an interview state that, you know, he had to make a choice with changing his position. And it was an active decision to sort of make from going from central midfield to right back only because that was seemingly the route considering the number of people in front of him playing in the center. Um, so, Presuming that our, our academy isn't necessarily an issue, we, we do get these numbers back, we find a way to bed them in. Um, I want to try and focus specifically on this year, try and look at, um, we made fourth, uh, or be on the last day, we could have won, you know, we, we could have closed on fourth, barring a couple of dodgy penalty decisions against West Brom, um, in Stoke. But what, you know, what was good in this in this season for us, right? So we've, we've gone from fourth in the previous year with no European competition, um, now fourth again this year with a final, um, potentially the, the the opportunity to win a trophy. So specifically in this year, Adi, could you can we talk about what was really really good? We move the bads later in terms of who hasn't performed, what we should have done better. But let's you know let's just try and focus on uh, what was great, what we really really enjoyed. Um, and and why this is such an important season Um okay. There is the obvious there is there is more coming in, forty four goals. There is Bobby adding uh, adding the goals to his game. Um, you know, he he didn't score what, twelve thirteen last year, twenty seven this year. So that was a huge plus. Uh Sadio Mane was supposedly not playing well, but he was still contributing immensely to the side. So the, the front three sorted itself out. But for me, the most satisfying aspect of this season has been that we lost our best player in January. And we probably put together our best run of form this season after we lost Coutinho. And, you know, the, the fact that everyone, whoever was called into the side in midfield in the second half of the season really, really stepped up has been really, really nice to watch. Oxley Chamberlain, uh, he, he was on the plane to Russia. If, if his knee, if his knee hasn't become what it was. Uh, and, uh, even, even Milner when he came in, um, in the second half of the season, uh, been absolutely terrific for us. Uh, so just the way that we rallied around as a side, you know, after we lost Coutinho, uh, because, uh, when we did lose Coutinho, a lot of us, uh, were skeptical about what we were doing because we didn't, we didn't get a replacement for him in January. Um, so the way, and, and in many ways, it's, it's kind of, um, in sync with our entire season where we just kept on proving the doubters wrong. You know, we lost five minutes to City, 
um, in September 4-1 to Spurs. Uh, there was so much said about, no, this team can't defend. What, 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 how much can you do with scoring three, four goals a game and you can see six? Um, and after the first game, we went on a run where we didn't concede too many goals. Same thing happened. Uh, Coutinho, Coutinho goes, everyone says, where, where's the goal? Where's the creativity coming from? Um, what, what can you do with people like Henderson and Milner in midfield? Uh, all of them really stepped up. And I think the way that we face adversity in this season will, in this season, uh, will be my biggest takeaway from it. And hopefully, the, hopefully this carries on, you know, hopefully this becomes a trademark of a Liverpool side that no adversity is too big. So just to just to add to that, essentially, yeah, I absolutely agree that you know we, a lot of us, me included, I think everyone on the AI, AI system sort of was in shock with the with the Coutinho leaving and and how you'd be able to cope. And I think the only answer we gave each other was um, we will be either validated or vindicated by the end of the season, right? So if we if we miss out on the top four, everyone's going to sleep with the decision. If we don't, then obviously it works in in our favor, and and we're this close to winning uh, a European title um and he probably well he essentially would 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 get the medal any which way but to add to that um since our defeated spurs if you look at the league table we've played about 29 games we've won 18 we've drawn eight and lost three and the goals against has only been 22 uh goals for obviously 70 only second to city so not all doom and gloom naturally uh we held out for for van dyke in in january um, was he the catalyst? So did we look at, let's replace the goals and the creativity that Coutinho brought in, um, with just defensive solidity and bedding carries him? Do you think that could be a fair statement to make? Absolutely. I think, uh, I remember saying this, <laughs> exactly what you did in one of our podcasts in January, uh, I mean, before, uh, before Virgil came in and we knew Coutinho was departing that we one way to make up for the loss in creativity and potentially goals, which thankfully didn't happen, was to tighten at the back. And I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't exactly know the stats, but we we know how much of a difference uh, having a goal, uh, having a centre back like Virgil has made. So you're absolutely, I 100% agree with the fact that. Uh, Made the, that has made a lot of difference because we we now we we, we had the joint and fourth joint best uh, defensive record like at least I think you can see it on 38 goals uh, which which is which is really good considering you know how we how we bitch about our defense all the time I think that has definitely I mean the defense still has uh, in games it has been uh, a concern but. It, I mean, I think spending what we did for Virgil and uh, uh, getting him instead of a like for like for Coutinho, it was a really smart move. And we were we were gonna get him uh, eventually, but uh, it has made a lot of difference. We we can all agree on that that uh, defense has been considerably tightened since uh, what we remember last. So fair to say, um, we've got. Most of our recruitment, if not all of our recruitment, spot on. Um, everyone's been bought for a system. The system's worked out. We held out for the right personal, uh, personal in Van Dyke. So Klopp's stubbornness, if we want to call that, sort of has paid off. Um, against a lot of general media narrative, we've given Lars Carriers a chance. He's sort of proven himself. Uh, we'd still like to see a full season, I suppose, uh, considering whether we want to, you know, look at upgrades later in the future. So obviously, but the one thing that's that's sort of been the best part for me this season is essentially it's fun day in day out to watch Liverpool. That is why we still do, you know, we need a win on the last day of the season. It's enjoyable. Um, I don't. Uh, last year we got so many glimpses of it. We got glimpses of it in the Europa League final um, run. But this, this year we've just been bloody brilliant, right? So it's been so much fun. I guess we, we, we look fairly standard or average till about December, but we've got a lot right after that, right? Now, keeping that in mind, we still eventually come fourth. The table doesn't lie. 
Um, there have been three teams better. There's obviously no point comparing ourselves at this stage to City. Uh, but what went wrong? What wasn't so good? And where were we essentially lacking through the season? I uh, feel let's come to you this one first. Uh, I think what, what particularly stands out for me, I mean, it's difficult to look at the negative uh, when you have a Champions League final in a few days, but, uh, I think one thing that has stood out to me is the number of draws. Uh, I think we still had around uh, more than 10, pro- I think 12, exactly, which is actually more than last season. Uh, there have been there have been games where we have lost what could what where we were in winning positions or where we thought we would win. There have been disappointing games, and most of them have resulted uh, in draws. Uh, so the number of draws from was uh, was a concern. Uh, that is that is probably the biggest uh, biggest takeaway in terms of where improvement still needs to be made because there are there are games where you Liverpool much like our opponents uh, uh, for the final uh, with with Real also you would if, if, uh, not that I followed very keenly but. From what I know is that they did, they, they also were sort of patchy. I mean, on the day, they can turn on, but it, they, they, they also went through a really patchy spell. And they, I mean, if they take their balls off, uh, if they take their eyes off the ball, then, um, uh, that was really unfortunate for <laughs> But if they take, uh, if they take their eyes off the ball, then they, I mean, they are very flat. So there, there were games where I felt that, uh, uh, I mean, you know, you saw the first 20, 30 minutes and you knew that the result was going to be a, was going to be a draw or a loss. Uh, so just the number, I mean, 12, 12 draws is a lot where you are basically losing 24 points. And, uh, that is something that needs to be addressed to have another system to break down, uh, these kind of teams, uh, which we have again spoken about on a number of occasions. And obviously, I think this Despite Klopp doing really well with what was available, there were unfortunate injuries, and to to have a bench like we did a few games ago was really uh, shocking. Uh, at the same time, you can look at it both ways that we are still where we are, but uh, squad depth is again a concern, and we've spoken about it already, so there's not much to add there. So yeah, I mean, statistically, we've done slightly better than previous years against the bottom so-called dross in the league. But, yeah, I think our, our home table, while we've gone unbeaten at home, I think we've had some eight or nine draws, which doesn't, uh, I think it's eight draws and something like that. So, Avi, what needs to change, right? So, we've obviously looked at, we've been better statistically against the bottom teams. We're looking at way too many draws, um, and we're looking at, and squad depth. Is it just the same old, same old, and what really needs to change? Look, for us, I think a lot of, at least two of those home draws at the end, uh, would have been avoided if we had squad depth. Uh, the West Brom draw, oh, West Brom was away, but two draws out of the 12 that we had all season, West Brom and Stoke, uh, was in the middle of the, the busy Champions League run, and we really didn't have players to start those games, you know, you had him starting, you had Solanke not really doing anything worthwhile in front of goal. And, but, but against the other teams, I think we still do need, I mean, I wouldn't say a plan B, uh, but a slightly different way to play. Uh, so you saw West Brom in December when we drew nil nil at Anfield. Uh, they sat back, Everton, uh, in the 1 1 draw sat back, got a, penalty go against us. Uh, so sides know that if they deny us space in behind, they're going to, uh, they they're not going to, uh, you know, have to face as much firepower as they would do if they gave us space uh, for for the front three to run in behind the defense. Uh, so I think we need to we need to find a way uh, to use the space that we will get and the time on the ball that we will get. I, I still don't think we use the ball well enough against a low block. Uh, because there is not really anyone in that midfield who you say will, will pick a pass. Um, we've got athletes in our midfield, uh, fantastic, uh, 
the athletes, as I said, who will give you power, like Wijnaldum, um, Oxley Chamberlain. But sometimes against against the, against the draws, you need a little bit of guy leading around the area. You know, it's one moment of magic. Uh, you saw uh, when we played Southampton away from home, um, that that one back heel from Bobby uh, for uh, for more to score. Those those are the kinds of moments that you sometimes need against a side that's defending deep to open the game up, and then and then you can do what you have to with the attacking quality that you have. So I still think that we lack a little bit of guile, and maybe adding someone like a Fikir will help. You know, being better against the draws, and also we finish what uh, we finished fourth in the league, but we lost away from home to the teams that finished first, second, third, and fifth. And that is different from what we had last season. Um, but you, it's still not ideal when you're losing to the teams around you. Uh, you'd ideally, if, you know, a typical Mourinho way would be go go away from home, get a point, try try make three at home. That's four points against every team around you. Um, so I mean, I, I'm not for one moment do I want us to play like a Mourinho side, but we really do have to get better against the teams around us, especially away from home, because. Uh, this season, that was extremely disappointing. One thing that was really disappointing for me was essentially um, while we always assume that you know we we, we manage our squad well, and I'm not going to just purely put it down to the squad depth, is that we haven't, or maybe it's just me being a little cynical, is that we we end up putting way too much trust in in individuals that are or seem to be injury prone, right? So, for example, this season. Uh, Firmino played one of his highest careers uh, minutes-wise, right? so close to some 4,100 minutes. But we've got the same old and Klopp's been here now two and a half years where you've loved put in one-third the entire season. Matip's got now just over one-third again because he was out. Uh, I'm not going to put Emery into that bracket because he's played four years of consecutive football even through the summer, right? But it's the regular suspect. We've got Lalana, we've got Henderson, um, and we're lining up overusing individuals, uh, you know, people like Nindo, who, let's be honest, was relatively phased out as a left back, and we didn't want him to play central midfield uh, through all of our podcasts. I don't think there's, barring, barring Adi, who's an absolute fan, I don't think many of us were, were very pro Milner playing in midfield, even though we knew that there was a certain level um of a six on ten that we'd get most games, right? So that's that's been my biggest concern is that while we go into these squads seemingly very happy with with our transfers, we 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 sort of never look at who we can phase out um, or who we can't depend on, and then we complain about having to depend on the same people over and over again. So that I mean I think that needs to change for me at some stage. So presumably with the likes of Navin Fakir, um, Navi Keita coming in. Uh, the, the we are getting people that um um that are hardy I suppose that are that that, that can that do have the capacity to play upwards of thirty six you know hundred minutes I guess in a season so that's been the only really major disappointment um and I guess I can't really you can't really complain about being a season when you finish up in the Champions League final um irrespective of the result when you you know also qualify um. Now, we've reached there, we're about three days away. Um, there is, you know, excitement that there's people all flying in from all over the world. And I, I have a couple of friends that are flying in from, from India, um, just to get the care, to sort of experience the entire setup. Uh, we are now facing probably the people that own Champions Um, we probably don't have any business being there. We've just been very, very good this, this, this campaign. Um, we've blitzed people, uh, we've, we've, we've scraped through in some, in, in some occasions, but, but now we're playing side with pedigree, we're playing, um, winners, they've been in number, is it 12 times, I suppose, yeah, 12 times, um, and they've won three out of the last four years, right? Um, it's gonna be a big 90 minutes, um, and like Ali said, it's, I think, the first Champions League final for our entire squad, barring maybe club in his team. And Klopp's record in the final isn't the greatest. So, where can we win it, right? If we can, or presuming we can, we've got, we've, we've done it, we've scored goals, we're capable of that, um, and we've even defended, right? So, where can we win it? Um, 
specifically can we can we look at matchups can we look at tactics that we know of um and what are our strengths going into into the occasion Avi, um go ahead let's start with you uh yeah i mean it's, it's obviously our country is going to be where we win the game uh because uh if you if you saw juventus and bayern in the semi-final and the quarter-final they got at Real. They really did get at Real, and Real were rocky. Uh, they were shaky, um, and they haven't really had the best time defensively. I think Bayern, if they weren't wasteful, for me they just scored eight to ten goals over the two legs of the tie. Uh, but they were extremely, extremely wasteful. Uh, and for me, I think Marcelo is going to be a little bit of a concern for them against Mo, because you know Marcelo, he is not going to be that the you know the run of the mill left back and you know kick deep and defend. He's going to want to impose himself on the game. He has the he has the quality to do that. Go forward, attack us, and he could really hurt Trent at right back. But the flip side to that is he's going to leave more with a lot of space to run uh, on that right flank for us. So I think that that battle on whether Trent can handle um, Marcelo Cristiano on that flank. And how that in turn affects more going forward. I think that one back is going to be really, really crucial. And I think uh, Carvajal is back now, but he's had a very, very on and off season. He's been, he's been off with injury. So I think it's, it's their fullbacks against our wingers, really. If their fullbacks can defend our wingers well, that's that's all our threat for. And then they can they can impose ourselves with the quality they have everywhere on the pitch. Gross, Modric, uh, Isco. Gareth Bale's just hit form towards the end of the season for them. So, I think overall, in terms of individual quality, you add that up, they're much the better side. I don't think that's the debate, that they're up for debate at all. But if, if Mo and Sadio can get their fullbacks under pressure, I think we'll get a lot of them. So, actually, the one thing that we've, we've, we've happened to use um, over the, at least the quarters in the semis is that against City, we, we were able to press really hard, but then we had Ox, and Ox, we know, is just a monster physically. Uh, we don't have that. Uh, we may, may have, we, we may have Emery on the bench. Um, it, it might just be too much to ask, obviously, staff the individual. Um, but we've bypassed midfield, right? Uh, we've gone long. If we, I mean, our version of long. Um, it's not like we pumped the ball up, but we've gone long against Roma. Um, they played the high line. We put their defenders under pressure. We bypassed midfield. Um, how do you, how do you see this playing out? Because realistically, like Abhi said, it's, it's our wingers versus their fullbacks. Um, and let's be fair, while, while Varan and, and Ramos are great on the ball, they, they, they're always susceptible to making the odd mistake. We saw what happened against, um, you know, at the El Clasico uh, with the new camp, even though a couple of decisions were, were obviously incorrect. Um, my bigger concern is the fact that we're going to play Miller, Genie and Hendo against Casemiro, Cruz and Modric. Right? So, True. while I agree, I mean, I mean, they can effectively nullify our, our wingers and then it's done. But my bigger concern is the midfield three and the amount of pressure that they can effectively put on our back line. Right? So, so, that's obviously our weakness, but how do we? How, how, how do you think we can mask it? What do you think needs to happen? I think uh, they. I agree with you. The midfield is uh, one of the places where uh, you know where the battle can be won or lost. But I think these three. Uh, Ops was there, but Amriti was really good against City and uh, against Roma in the first leg. So I, I do feel like, you know, where we, we avoid giving uh, Casemiro, Cruz and Modric space in the midfield and uh, that is, that, that really changes things. Because now, I mean, because uh, Ronaldo is not so much involved with the build-up these days, uh, he sort of works his magic in and around the box. And uh, the midfield is where Dutri and Isco are where the creativity lies. Uh, so that is, that is that is one of the major major areas where their threat needs to be magnified. We don't need to the basics, you know, just tighten up, not not give uh, any space for them to do any damage. 
and uh, that I mean it is it is as basic as and I think if they can get the Real has struggled uh, against uh, against the against teams which uh, use the the pressing system they Spurs did it effectively at Wembley they really gave them a torrid time and uh, the Sevilla also did the same and Barcelona also to an extent. Uh, Real do seem to struggle against this brand of football, and if we can, if we can do that with the existing personnel or with with whoever starts, that is that we we I'm I mean I'm I'm confident of the ability of our forwards to then succeed. We like you guys mentioned about uh, the wingers versus fullbacks battle. I think it, it, it is also the same for us because uh, Marcelo is. Especially on, on on the left side, on their left side, Marcelo and Ronaldo against Trent, that is <laughs> it is it is a scary proposition, and that's again where our midfield needs to do a better job and uh, sort of try to contain the threat that uh, Marcelo also brings in on their their fullbacks and their wingers bring in with their speed and dial and and especially especially on the on the left. I'm sure you guys will agree because uh, Marcelo. Specifically, he is he is a class act, and he, his his game is really threatening. And he would be in my top three Real Madrid players to watch out for in this final. And uh, the midfield specifically, yeah, but the matchup that that for me is the most intriguing would be uh, would be Salah versus uh, Marcelo. And uh, I think if if our fullbacks can also contain there, and also Isco who is they're probably their prime playmaker uh, at the moment. He he has been absolutely elite in the matches that I have watched. So I do I do feel like these are the I mean their quality is undisputed and we, we do need to take care of them as uh, take care of the individual matchups. Uh, but as a team, if we can play our game, uh, the way we've been playing, the way we we showed. Uh, we can against City, against Roma, against other teams. We, I'm, I'm sure we can, we, we can give them a lot of trouble. I, I do agree that Zidane, he is, uh, uh, more astute, I mean, tactically astute than he gets credit for. But, uh, I think the basics, if we get them right and we play our brand of football, we, we have a game. The one thing that was intriguing to me, I guess, from, from watching Real play both the, uh, the quarters and the semis is that, like, both of you pointed out that they were susceptible on the wings, right? And they got beat for a lot of crosses. Uh, now while you had Mandzukic and you, and you sort of had, you know, the aerial presence of, of the likes of Lewandowski and Muller, um, the fullbacks got a lot of space, right? Um, you had Kimmich putting in a fair, fair bit of delivery. You had, you know, Sandro on the other side for, for you as well doing the same thing. But can we take the aerial? Have we been, I mean, we, we, we can do the crossing. We've got Trent. We've got some incredibly delivery with Robertson on his day as well, right? So is that the route that we take or do we still go, you know, with the front three, hold back a bit, soak up a little bit of pressure, blitz them on the counter, treat it like an away game? Is that, is that the route that we're going to probably take? I, I think we will probably and and we should play on the ground. We shouldn't do the we shouldn't do the aerial route. It's that's what I feel like our strongest game and the game that can that can potentially hurt our opponents is uh, how we play fast, pressing fast, attacking football on the ground. I don't think playing long balls is our strong suit. Although it did have worked on us, uh, worked for us on a few occasions, but. Uh, I think uh, their their centre backs they they are also they are very experienced and have played plenty of uh, you know do or die final. I mean they played finals they played really important games so they they do and, and Ramos and uh, Ryan both are pretty good uh, with dealing with long balls. I, I, I and I don't think that Klopp would go for. Uh, uh, for, for a strategy that is not our strongest suit, uh, I would hope so because I think I've seen from and, and we all we all see what the kind of football that we play on the ground. Uh, that is that is 
the best kind of football that we we played, and uh, we should we should obviously focus on our strengths and uh, use that for the final. Uh, also, one another thing I don't know if um, uh, should we I mean considering the temperament of Ramon, does that intrigue you that uh, if that is something that that the team would be looking at? Because he is, uh, he's fairly hot-headed and uh, can get himself in certain situations. Do you think uh, someone like Mane could have a heated exchange, so to speak, uh, in the final? We know if that happens, Mane is getting sent off and Ramos is getting no sanctions, so no chance. <laughs> yeah, and I honestly, I don't think I don't think any of us um, are a decent wind-up merchant. I would be yeah. too nice to do the dirty business uh, against the centre back, but obviously I think I think with and also with the likes of Mane, you can go either way, right? Not and it's not because he's aggressive or he's or he's he's dirty in, in, in the way we, we saw what happened with Edison. Uh, we we saw what happened in um, when he tackled or was a bit of a mistime thing with Otamendi. If that happens against Ramos or in fact any of the back line, um, it's gonna work against. I'm not. I'm not really sure we're smart enough to play to, to do the dirty business, and I don't even think there's a single person that that, that can do it. Um, so I'm not really. Sh- and I don't necessarily. I mean, there's a lot of people that buy into this narrative of Ramos not being a great centre back. I just think big moments. It, he's you can't count on the guy to you know to mess about. Um, he's just a big game player. I I I do understand him not being. You know, really consistent and bad with positioning and whatever not. But I just think big games. I think sometimes he just he, he just he shows up. True. And to be honest, if if the scoreline is zero zero at around eighty or whatever, like towards the end, the you're the scared shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's let's close that uh, with let's try and do this right. So what? What are we predicting? Akati, what scoreline? Um, are we going in overtime? Are we going to pens? What is happening? I don't know. I mean, I expect, uh, I don't want to say a scoreline. I don't know, but I, I do expect a really, really tight game. And I feel that we may see one side, for instance, if it's 0-0 for a long time. And what happens with Atletico in the final, I feel that it's going to be, it's going to be something like that where uh, once the first goal comes in, the, there'll be a flurry of goals. Uh, I, I know a lot of people have predicted a goal fest, but I feel that it wouldn't be like a 4-4 sort of 4-3 scoreline, but probably something like a, a 2-1 or something of that sort. Yeah. Okay, so we won't we we won't annoy Dashmi with any of the predictions. So Avi, I'm not going to let you answer that, but let's go into let's go into the end of season awards, right? So we've got a couple of things that we're gonna probably just cover. Um, let's do this one by one. So I'll, I'll give you about thirty seconds to think about it, um, and then we can just go whoever comes up with their answer first, right? So the first one I'm gonna ask you guys is the best goal from this year across um, competitions, of course. Yeah, for me, I, it was uh, Salah's goal, second goal against Spurs at home. Uh, uh, that 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 was so so reminiscent of Messi, uh, and it was such a crucial moment when he came off with it. I mean, what happened later is uh, I'm not going to go there, but um, it was such a crucial moment that he came off with that goal, and it was an unbelievable bit of individual brilliance. So for me, it would be that Salah's second goal against Spurs at home. I think for me, uh, I, I, a lot of goals are coming to mind. To be honest, uh, a lot of you no know, no look goals. But uh, apart from since uh, since Adi has already said the first goal, which was absolutely the standout one, I don't want to I want to go with Salah against Watford. Uh, I think he beat like four five defenders, uh, four five four five uh, yellow shirts in the in the box, and he scored. And I really personally, I really enjoyed that goal. Okay, so I'm gonna go for um, the goal that we scored against Hoffenheim with the Emery Chan's goal. Um, I thought that was just um, the, some of the best football that we'd ever played for a goal. Just the number of people that were involved and how smooth the entire thing was. So, Emery Chan at home, um, ducking in a Firmino cross. I think that would be my, my best goal. I'll go back to yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's the that's the goal that I'm gonna go for. Alright, so the next one we're gonna do is um the player of the season that is not named Mohammed Salah. Uh Roberto Fabino. There is no two ways about this. Roberto Fabino. Yeah. I think that's I think that's fair consensus. I don't think did we did you assume this was possible? From whatever we had seen, from whatever we had known of man, did you think that he had this kind of goal out? Uh, no, I, I genuinely didn't think so. And he's never a striker at Hoffenheim either. But, you know, he's just become this, I don't know, he, he's not, he's not the typical striker. He's not going to fit in as a number nine in a lot of other systems. But for us, we need him more than we need anyone else. Uh, which is, which probably explains why he doesn't start with Brazil either. I think, no, not as much as he's delivered. No, not so. Cool. We all talked about how good a team player he is uh, many times, but I think it was going to be one thing or the other, not both, like not both goals and uh, how well he performs to the team, but he's delivered on every aspect. He's probably, uh, I mean, he is, he, is also, he is the player of the season alongside Salah for me. Okay, uh, let's do this one. Most improved player. In terms of, uh, I think from, I mean, generally, not from Liverpool to Liverpool, but I've been Oxley Chamberlain, probably from what we've seen in the past to what we saw this season, if that counts, then we'd probably go for him. Yeah, I'd say Ox as well, but uh, I'd probably put in the three midfielders as well. Henderson, Milner, Wijnaldum. For the way they improve, uh, through the course of the season, it, none of them started the season off uh, with anything of note, but towards the latter half, they've become really important players for us. I mean, not not by choice, but by design, but uh, they've become really important players for us. So, the three midfielders. Yeah. yeah, the collective. Okay. What about the biggest disappointment of the season? Uh, probably. I don't know. Okay. Uh, are we picking disappointing moments or disappointing players? No, so players first and then maybe let's, we'll do the moment after. Okay, so most disappointing player, I don't know if it counts, but Simon Mignolet, I mean, uh, he ended up, he ended up last season really well. He made some massive saves to get us into the Champions League and then he was back to good old Simon this season, so Mignolet. Ah, uh, difficult, Difficult one to pick, I would probably say I expected slightly more of Solanke. And uh, granted, the amount of minutes he got were, were not enough to entirely prove himself, but I did think that he would do slightly better than what he performed based on uh, what we saw in the under 20. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go, for, I'm, I'm probably going to go for Adam Lallana. Um, even though he's been, he's been out for a fair fair number of games. I think the, the time period that he has been back, I, I don't really see um, what his value has been, um, even though he had three, four great months in the previous year. Um, that's probably been my biggest disappointment in terms of just, I don't know where you fit him anymore. I don't think he's been he's been able to sort of uh, you know, pull his weight around it, if at all any. Um, so yeah, that's been the biggest disappointment in terms of, in terms of player. Um, and yeah, I guess go ahead with the yeah. uh, the most disappointing game of the season. United at Old Trafford. Ah yeah. United at Old Trafford. It, I mean, we we Mourinho did a number on Klopp on that in that game for sure, but we really didn't play well at all either. And it, you can see the way we did both those goals was pretty sickening too. For me, I already said it, but uh, first the draw against Spurs because just because Salah just came and he did he just showed magic on the pitch and then we go on and uh, draw that match it was it was really disappointing yeah. I think for me it was actually Spurs at Wembley I think it was just it was just poor yeah. um, just from from game management from from the substitutions that were made from the fact that there was very little impetus um, and just the fact that we gave, it was so disappointing to see that, you know, it was, 
it, it, it fell down really, really quickly. It went to shit really, really quickly. So I think that was the biggest uh, disappointing game for me. Um, let's close this out with um, your favorite moment of the season. Could be game, could be player, uh, could be particular instinct, could be anything. But your favorite moment of the season. Uh, I'd like to say my favorite moment of the season yet to come, but uh, of what's happened so far, probably the first half against uh, City at Anfield. Uh, because there was so much being said about how we're underdogs in that game and we blew them off the pitch in that first half. So those 45 minutes where we blew City off the pitch, for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with Adil. Like, I don't want to repeat, but absolutely. Just watching them and just reminding me of the... Uh, the game against Arsenal a few seasons back where we destroyed them in the first 20 minutes. It was, it was just, just like that. And it, it only better because it was the Champions League and, and Oxlade's uh, uh, goal. Uh, it was reminiscent of Gerard and uh, just everything about that first half, the game itself was just perfect. So I'm going to go a little off-beat. Um, I completely agree with both of you. The games against City in the first 25 minutes in particular for, for the Premier League game at home as well as the Champions League, which is special. But one of my most favorite, or two actually, if I can squeeze the second one in. Um, the first one was uh, was Trent's goal, the free kick in the Champions League. Um, and the second one was uh, Van Dijk's header against Everton. I'm going to go for those two as my favorite moments of the season till okay, now. If can, sorry, if I can quickly add, <laughs> uh, the one that slipped my mind was actually uh, Robertson's run against City where he was just struck up. And yes. uh, yeah, yes. absolutely. I take absolutely. my City moment back and put that in. And there was the the period between 35 and 60 minutes in that Roma game where we scored 5, which again, these blitzes that we've had in the games throughout the season been incredible fun to watch. Absolutely. We can only hope that, you know, we have another one of those insane blitzes where we smash a few in, 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 in twenty, twenty five minutes and we bring big ears home on Saturday. Um we're not gonna do predictions as promised to Dashneen. We don't wanna jinx anything. Um for everyone that's going to Kiev, I hope you guys have the time of your of your life. Uh, for those of you at the stadium some of us are really jealous, but please make sure the atmosphere is fantastic. Um, we all hope for obviously uh, one of the best games that we've seen. Uh, we hope for the best result. Um, and we're going to leave you, uh, the team at Anfield, the next. Best of luck Saturday, um, and see you next time. Network.